what happens when you do nothing is nothing happens. So you got to do something, right? You can't just like sit around and wait for your opportunity to just knock down your door. Like you have to put yourself out there in some way. What's going on, everybody? Emily Body here. You are listening to episode 259 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode 259, I am chatting with the one, the only, Emma Lovewell. Emma is a Peloton instructor. She's also a new author. Her book, Live, Learn, Lovewell, is available everywhere books are sold. I will link it in the show notes. And for today's conversation, we are getting to know the woman behind the pages. Emma talks to me about growing up on Martha's Vineyard and really admiring her parents' work ethic from a young age. Her mother, an immigrant, raising her to go after her big dreams and big dreams she definitely had and has moving forward. In today's conversation, Emma talks to me about how she came to Peloton working in the fitness industry and learning to find comfort in the uncertainty of gig work, telling us a story about the photo shoot just at the beginning of the Peloton era that changed everything for her. Emma gets really honest about the highs and lows of being a public person. She also shares what the book writing process was truly like and how sending one particular email was the catalyst for some of her best days. I loved so many things about this conversation, but Emma has a really calm demeanor and it was really admirable to sit here with her and watch her be where her feet were at the moment. Entirely present for our conversation, despite just coming from Cheddar, that's a news outlet for some of you that may not know, and also running around, gosh, everywhere promoting this book. She's a ray of light. It's not lost on me that many of you already share these same sentiments. So I know you're going to love this conversation. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social. It is at Hurdle Podcast. I myself am over at Emily Abadi. There are tons of actionable takeaways and tips in this conversation. So I'd love it if you could share your favorite over on your social media and make sure to tag the podcast. Last little bit of housekeeping for this week. If you haven't yet subscribed to the weekly Hurdle newsletter, it comes out every single Friday directly into your inbox, bringing you a lot of the same motivation, inspiration, stuff you love about the show. Absolutely free. The link to subscribe to that is in the show notes. Oh, I cannot forget this Thursday, July 27th, we are getting together IRL in real life for a hurdler huddle. It's an opportunity for podcast listeners to come together and do a little bit of self inquisition, some personal development work, a workshop led by me, where you will not only get to a place where you can better overcome the hurdles that are standing in your way to get what you want, but also connect with like-minded people in our community. The link to register is in the show notes, snag your spot, bring a friend, and I hope to see you there. With that, let's get to it. Let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Emma Lovewell. She's a Peloton instructor, also a new author. Her book, Live, Learn, Love Well, out now. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Emily. You're a ray of sunshine in here today with oh. your orange. Is this what we call this bright orange? I don't know. It, I feel like a highlighter, though. It's very, very bright. As someone who lives in mostly black, yeah. sometimes you just got to break out like that. That's I'm either black or like some really obnoxious, <laughs> loud neon color. I think I, I'm like no in between. There's no in between. Well, I'm so glad that you've made time to come into the studio today because you have been everywhere. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, where am I right now? What zip code am I in? How are you feeling at this moment? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling a little bit less chaotic than I was if you asked me that about two weeks ago. But I think this whole book tour journey has been 
exhausting and very exciting. And now I'm kind of on the come down of that. So you're catching me at a good time. I'm like, be, I can reflect on what I just went through and also feel kind of grounded and present now. We love that you're feeling grounded and present for this conversation. Same. Reflecting, <laughs> I mean, first pitch at the Red Sox game, book tour, trip to Italy, London, Cheddar, yeah. ABC News, all of this stuff over the last month and a half. Yeah. Does it feel surreal? Yeah. You know, I think I went from, you know, I had never done a TV appearance um, where I was talking. I've done TV appearances where I'm working out, but then sitting in a suit or a dress was different. And now all of a sudden I've done like 10 different segments, you know, so it's kind of cool. I never would have thought that, you know, if you asked me that 20 years ago. Learning curve? Yeah, I've learned to speak a lot faster. <laughs> They're like, you have three minutes, sell your book, go. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah. And that's like something that one would imagine could be a little bit flustering. Is yes. flustering even a word we're going to use that? I agree. Okay. I agree. But that's why now I'm like, okay, we can kind of, we, we've got an hour together. We can kind of, I don't have to <laughs> sell you this book in 10 seconds. Oh my God. Okay. So speaking faster. Yes. I, another thing I'll say is my posture. I was looking at past videos of me sitting on, you know, CBS morning. And I'm like, gosh, like my back is hunched. And so now I'm like in these interviews and I'm like, remember your posture, shoulders back, like yep. back to dance class, yeah. having good posture. Which is also comical because although you teach multiple modalities on Peloton, your main modality involves you to be leaning forward exactly. quite often. Exactly. My <laughs> comfort is me hunched over Ugh. handlebars. That's like where I'm comfortable. <laughs> do you get upper back pain from that? I don't actually. I do a pretty good job at um, cross training. So yeah. I think my focus when I'm doing strength tra training is always my back. It's always pulls, lots of pulls. Lots of pulls. That's yeah. a good hot tip. Mm -hmm. I know for me right now, getting back into a lot of cycling as a method of cross training for marathon training. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of the importance of the seat adjustment and making sure that my bike alignment is okay. Yep. And you have to switch it every once in a while because I, and I tell people that in my Peloton classes too, it's like, just switch it up a little bit, like bring the seat a little bit closer or further away, like just see how it feels because it might feel better. This is a hot tip. Yeah. You know, it's funny because even as you sat down today, you were like, yes, we were just at Cheddar and now we're here. And then I'm going to teach a class later. Is there a part of the multi-hyphenate, let's call it, that feels most true to you at this moment between Peloton instructor, author, and all of the other things that you get into on the regular? No, but I, I'm really loving how they all are coming together. And in these interviews, I'm talking about my daily life and my career and my aspirations, and they all are part of me and it all fits together. So it is really nice to know that like not, not one thing feels like it doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like the Sesame Street song of like one of these things is not like the other. You know that song? <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> I'm like, these are all like me. These are all part of me. It's so cool that I get to use my experience teaching fitness in front of millions of people to now speaking on podcasts and TV segments and other places. And I'm doing a lot more um, public speaking too. And so it's just cool that they all, it all fits in and it's all relevant. Do you have a go-to keynote topic? A lot of people want to hear about my morning routine or just routines and goal setting. So I feel like that is a huge, a very popular topic that I'm like, this is how I stay motivated. This is how I, you know, what I eat in the morning. This is what I do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, do you? I, I would say that I'm laughing a little bit because I really do think that between goal setting and mornings, like those are the two buzzy things that people feel as though they are incapable of getting down for themselves. So always hunting the hot tips. Yep. I'd be remiss if we didn't move forward then and I asked you for a morning hot tip. Yeah. So what do you got for me? Um, okay. So I always, I think that my morning starts the night before actually. So if I'm trying to do a workout in the morning, I try to set out my clothes the night before, because I think that that's really helpful. I can't use my brain very well in the morning. So the less thinking I do, the better. So if my outfit's out for me, that's great. I also start with a big glass of water first thing in the morning. Yeah. I just have to hide. I am terrible at drinking water, to be honest. So I have to start my day with a glass of water and then um, but I'm not like chasing hydration the rest of the day. Important. Yeah. That decision fatigue. Yes. The second that decision fatigue presents itself in the yeah. morning, it's an immediate opportunity to bow out of the things that you originally wanted. Yeah. Wait, so you now have to tell me your 
tip. I think that I mean, the decision fatigue is a really great tip. I totally agree. But also knowing what it is that you want to get into, even there's a difference between saying to yourself, all right, I'm going to set aside 45 minutes to work out versus I'm going to set aside 45 minutes to do this strength workout. And I already know what strength workout I'm going to get into or this run. And I know what the run is supposed to be, what the intention is here. Because again, the less decisions you have to make, the more autopilot you can be on, the better. And I'll, yes, I'll say too, like even as a fitness trainer, I make class plans and workouts and I do not want to make my own class plan or workout. Yeah. (laughs) I get decision fatigue because I don't even want to, I don't even want to train myself. (laughs) I get it. Same, same. I totally hear that. So to uh, hit on this note, again, we talked about all of the press that you've been doing, all of the interviews that you've been doing. I guess a goal of mine for us sitting down here today is to talk about something you haven't talked about yet. Okay. Through this conversation, I feel as though we have an opportunity to peel back a different layer, right? Yes. To Shrek like an onion here and like get to a new place where you haven't been before. You mentioned being so excited about the fact that you have the opportunity to really indulge in all these different aspects of the multi-hyphenate. What we do know, however, is that you really did start this journey, at least in your professional career here, uh, rooted in fitness and fitness modeling. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I grew up as a dancer. So I was and a lifelong athlete. I played sports, soccer, lacrosse as a kid. Um, But when I moved to New York City initially, so I went to school and I studied Chinese and communications and I studied abroad in Beijing and I actually thought I would move to Beijing and I don't know, do whatever. But I was like in love with my study abroad time there. And um, but then my senior year, I I did um, an internship in New York City and I worked for a theater doing marketing and I worked for a dance company and I just fell in love with New York City. So. I also didn't think I was a good enough dancer to dance professionally, to be honest. Um, but when I was interning in the city, I went on a couple dance auditions because I heard about them. And I ended up booking a couple gigs. I booked a um, music video with Bjork, which I was like, this is so cool. And then I danced at the MTVU Woody Awards live as a backup dancer. And I was like, wait, I can book work? Like, this is incredible. So I moved to New York City to pursue being a professional dancer, which is like such a hard thing to do. It's just so competitive and they're, they don't, the jobs don't pay well. You know, at that time it was like, hey, do you want to be in like a Jay-Z video? It doesn't pay, but it's great exposure. And I was like, what, are you kidding me? Like exposure doesn't pay my bills. And so through dance came fitness modeling opportunities. So it was like, you know, backup person on hip hop abs or like these fitness magazines or whatever, you're good at moving your body, you're good at following direction. And so, and there were more of those jobs and to be transparent, they paid a lot better. And so I was like, let me, let me lean in this direction a little bit so I can pay my rent and (laughs) work more. And then I was, as a lifelong athlete, I've been, you know, exercising my whole life. So I had a lot of friends in the industry and I think that's just sort of Yeah, but fitness modeling was like a big thing at that Mm -hmm. time. I'm talking like 2010 around that time where all the brands and all the magazines needed people who could demonstrate what a squat looked like, what a lunge looked like. So it was a big part of my start in fitness. Yeah, and I... It's so interesting to hear you say, knowing how you feel now about the importance of just starting and trying to hear you say, I didn't feel as though I was a good enough dancer. Did you have any reason to believe that at that time? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have a spreadsheet. I can give you all these pointers. Why? Um, no, but I dancers start dancing at like five years old. Yeah. Right. So I didn't do ballet until I was like 13. And that's that's late. You're like late to the party if you're 13 and starting to dance. And so I just knew I didn't have enough time and experience. Mm. And then so technique, flexibility, I'd be in these auditions and seeing these girls younger than me just like absolutely killing it. But then what I realized is it's not all just technique. It's stage presence. It's your look. It's how you interpret movement on your body that a choreographer might like gravitate towards you. And so I knew that I wouldn't book the job because I was the best dancer in the room, but I knew I might book it because I had great stage presence. How did that make you feel? Um, oh my God. 
just being told no all the time. It was heartbreaking. And a lot of my best girlfriends were dancers too. So there'd be like five of us all in this room of a hundred women, you know, we're trying to get three spots, you know, getting cut, but then my friend making it all the way to the end or, or, you know, vice versa. It was very hard, but a lot of good life lessons in that. Like you just like perseverance, resilience, for sure. Just being told no, 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 and still getting up and doing it again. Yeah. It's so valuable to have this understanding that being someone else's cheerleader doesn't dim your opportunities or your light. And I would assume that that lesson is one that you've had to carry with you into your time at Peloton. We're talking about such an overwhelming all-star roster of individuals, all of whom are getting their own brand deals, their own opportunities. I think there were like five Peloton books this year. Totally. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So how do you carry that lesson with you in your day-to-day now? It totally stays with me. And I actually think back to those friendships that I had when I was a dancer. Um, there was actually, so there was four of us girls that were all brunette around the same height. So when we're talking about cast typing, right, you'd go to a commercial audition, they need a black girl, a Latina girl, a white girl. And, um, so we would all be like the same cast type. And it was hard because, um, we would all book different things. One of my friends, I swear she booked everything and I had to really like, but I loved her and I was supportive of her and she was so such a good friend to me. But I think that we kind of it was like an unspoken rule that we all just decided to be incredibly honest with each other so no secrets like hey just so you know I'm on hold for this gig I know you were there too but I just wanted you to know I got the call that I'm on hold so I'm not like hey did you did you book oh like you booked it and you didn't tell me like I think we just became really honest and that was helpful because I can deal with honesty Mm -hmm. I can you know and uh, I can respect honesty And so, yeah, to this day, like my teammates are absolute rock stars. I think, though, uh, one thing that I have really kept with me is that we are all so different and even separate from my group of friends where we're all the same cast type, like all the Peloton instructors, we're all very different cast types. So we have very different brands. We have very different opportunities coming to us, too. And I think some of them cross over for sure. Mm But a lot of the opportunities I see for my coworkers, I'm like, no, that fits them. It's very rare that I'm like, that should have been me. Like, it's it's mostly like, no, 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 that fits them so well. They are so good for that gig or that job or that brand partner. Um, so I think that that helps me also like really stay true to who I am because I know that the things that and the opportunities that come to me are right for me. Yeah, yeah. What advice do you offer to someone who may be struggling with this certain level of feeling either unsupported or navigating competition and staying in their own lane? So often we say that phrase like putting their own blinders on and going after what serves them. Yeah. I, you know, similar to something you said, but it's like be willing to acknowledge somebody else's beauty without questioning your own. Like And notice in yourself, if you start feeling jealous or competitive, like notice those feelings and they might come up and that's totally fine. But I think the way we get through feelings is by acknowledging them first. So it's like, okay, I'm feeling a little jealous. I'm feeling a little this or that. Why? You know, is it, does it have to do with them or does it have to do with me? Is it because I want it too? That's okay. You can want things too, but that doesn't mean that you want ill intent on somebody else, right? You know, so I do, I think about that, acknowledge somebody else's beauty without questioning your own. That does not have anything to do with your self-worth. It has a lot to do with timing and like who you know and the right, being in the right place at the right time. And maybe it's not your time yet. Yeah. Acknowledging what you have. It's also so important to recognize that if there is a moment or a situation where you feel as though someone may be jealous or treating you some kind of way, that that treatment, that response is them and their feelings and not necessarily anything to do with you. Right. I know it goes both ways, right? Because there are times where I'm booking something that might make somebody else feel a certain type of way. Yeah. I mean, we all hope to be self-aware individuals, but not everybody is. And so I think having grace and knowing that like everybody's going through something that you don't know anything about. But yeah, it it is hard because it definitely goes both ways. Everyone's going through something that you don't know anything about going back to the fact that you've been on this whirlwind media tour 
all over the place over the last month. What is something that you've been navigating offline and not on tour? I'm really lucky my partner Dave came with me on the book tour and that was super helpful to have him. I'll say that that has it's been challenging in our own dynamic of our relationship and for the most part it's been great and I'm very thankful that he's been there but I do think it was like this whole new area that we had to like step into where I'm like okay like this is you know I was like Dave I'm going to be super busy for the next you know, six weeks, like, can you just pick up more of the housework? Yeah. And he was like, okay. And, and like, thankfully I have a partner like that who was like, I'm gonna, he started cooking dinners like five nights a week. He was cooking dinner and I'm so, you know what I was glad about too, is that sometimes we ask for things and then when we get them, it's not actually the thing that we wanted. Huh? I asked for the thing that I wanted and it was actually what I wanted. Because I know that in some ways you can say like, no, I want a guy to be really supportive. But then when you get that, then maybe you're like, but I didn't like that. No, no, no. I liked it. I liked it so much. And I was like, Dave, thank you for cooking dinner. Thank you. I'm so glad that I asked for what I needed. I'm so glad that you gave that to me and that um, and that I received it, you know, yeah. because sometimes we're complicated. We're really complicated. So, yeah, I think like during the tour, just like having stepping into a new dynamic with my partner throughout that because it was a very non-traditional way of us operating like traveling from city to city figuring out home logistics we have two cats figuring out who's gonna feed them um so that was a interesting thing that I had to navigate that I wasn't even thinking about like career-wise yeah. as like my relationship and what I'm hearing you say also is the importance of really great communication and also recognizing that it's okay to ask for something, receive it, and then maybe re-communicate or pivot a little bit so that both people can be happy moving forward. That is something that so often you're like, well, I went out of my comfort zone at this point to ask for it. So how dare I ask for something else? But the right person, there's no such thing as over communicating or adjusting your expectations so that you two can be happier together. Yes. Hard stop. Yes. Yeah. You said before that sometimes these opportunities are all about being at the right place, right time. No one will question you on that. For you, being at the right place at the right time was booking that Kickstarter campaign with Peloton in 2012. Talk to us a little bit about that and how ultimately that opportunity landed you at the company five years later. Yes. Um, I was new to fitness modeling. I had just um, got with an agency. And so I was going on these casting calls for, you know, Nike, Under Armour, Athleta, all these places. And my agent called me one day and he was like, hey, like this odd request came in from a company I've never heard of, but Pel this brand Peloton is um, shooting a Kickstarter campaign and they want to hire you as the a model slash actress for their ad. And I was like, okay, looks interesting. Also never heard of the brand, but but I showed up. I did, you know, it was like a half day shoot. It was a video shoot. And the small team, you know, John Foley, the CEO at the time, like he was there, his wife, very small team. And I came in and I shot the the video and, you know, I was like, they were lovely. They were really nice people. And I was like, best of luck. Good luck to you guys, you know, at the end of the day. And um, not knowing that that was totally the introduction to Peloton and my life, uh, you know, as a Peloton instructor years later. So after that ad, I went on to teach fitness at a, a few other places, cycling, uh, Pilates, personal training. And then I was just sort of watching Peloton grow. You know, I was friends with them on Facebook or followed them on Facebook. So seeing all the, you know, the media, the press that they were getting. And so I just, and I, and I write about this in my book because Dave was like, why don't you email John Foley and ask for a job. And I was like, what are you kidding me? I'm not just going to email the CEO. Like you're crazy. Um, but I took his advice and I emailed him and he wrote back right away. And he's like, I'm going to put you in touch with Robin head instructor. You know, one thing led to the next. And, you know, I guess that was six years ago. Yeah. I was instructor number 11 or 12. And it's just crazy how all these small opportunities can just lead its way into, you know, where we are. It's just a bunch of decisions that we're making, a bunch of choices that we're making along the way, saying yes to things, no to other things that, you know, and I think about those, like, what if I had said no to that? What if I had said yes to this other thing? Mm -hmm. It's really 
it's really wild. Did you know Robin before he introduced you again? No. You hadn't met her I yet. Had, I never I think that's her. something that we don't talk about often is that like we're kind of inside baseball in New York being that, especially when you're working in the health and wellness community in any capacity, there's so much crossover. So you did have crossover previously with other people at Peloton. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Cody Rigsby and I used to back up dance together. Allie Love and I used to dance together. Um, Jess King and I used to dance together. So I knew a lot of the instructors and I was watching them. I even remember, you know, Allie, because she started about a year before me. And mm. so I remember running into her and she told me, she was like, hey, I just, I'm going to start working at this place, Peloton. I was like, oh, cool. You know, I remember her telling me about that and sort of watching their journey. Um and so it was really fun when I came in for my audition. I ran into Cody. He didn't know I was going to be there. And he was like, oh, my God. And oh my he just, God. like, dragged me around and introduced me to everybody in the building. Like, he was my hype man. He was like, you guys have to hire her. I was like, oh, my God. Can you follow me to every job interview? <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. We all need a Cody in our in our back pocket. Yes. I also love what you said about garnering the courage to send the email, mm -hmm. something that can be so difficult, obviously, using the phrase and the email can also apply to so many other different things. How do you garner the courage to show up to hard moments and kind of be your own biggest hype man? Um, I think of Wayne Gretzky. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. <laughs> I literally think about that because I'm like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know what's going to happen if you do nothing? Nothing. What happens when you do nothing is nothing happens. So you got to do something, right? Mm -hmm. You can't just like sit around and wait for your opportunity to just knock down your door. Like you have to put yourself out there in some way. And I'm a huge advocate for stepping outside of your comfort zone, hence me writing this whole book. If it scares you a little bit, like get curious about it, lean, look at it a little bit. If it scares you, don't just run away first thing. Um, I guess that kind of goes against our fight or flight instincts, which are important to have. There are, you know, for safety reasons, there are reasons why you need to like run away if a bear is coming at you. <laughs> but for these instances, I think it's like if it scares you a little bit, like sit in it and just like see why. And then what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Are you going to feel silly if nobody responds to you? There's even people who have reached out to me that like I meant to email them but then I forgot and then they send their second email and I'm like oh thank you for writing back it's like send the second email too you know why not why not the worst thing that can happen most of the time is that you're exactly where you started yeah usually where you're starting isn't all that bad to begin with. Totally. Totally. I also appreciate you saying and talking about being such a huge fan for stepping out of your comfort zone. Do you feel like your tenacity, your uh, resiliency was instilled in you from a young age? Or is that learned behavior? I think a little bit of both. Uh -huh. I think definitely watching my parents, um, they were doers. They were like, let's figure this out. My dad um, I mean, this is like, I'm thinking like, this is before YouTube, right? And my dad's like, I'm going to build us a new kitchen or like renovate our bathroom. And like, he had no idea what he was doing, but he figured it out. He asked his brothers who came, I remember them like working on our bathroom and I'm like eight years old and they're just figuring like plumbing out. I'm like, I don't know how they did it, but they would just figure stuff out. They would build it. They would just, my parents, you know, worked on their house. They built a garden in the back. Actually, when my parents bought their house, they bought it their house on Martha's Vineyard in the 80s for $40,000. Jesus, how different now. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> totally. And they, I mean, they couldn't even afford the whole, they had to get a loan and all this stuff. But there was this really crappy pool in the backyard that they just filled in with dirt and that made that their garden. Because when you walked out of the house, it went sh like straight into the pool. And they're like, we have kids. Like, this is, does not make sense. So anyway, that's what our backyard was. And um I just, I guess I really watched them figure it out. My mom is an immigrant. She's from Taiwan. She moved to the States. She was just really resilient. She made things work. And even when they weren't working, they, they made, they figured it out. And, um, so I definitely learned that. And then I think also my curiosity for getting out of my comfort zone probably was learned a lot too for my older brother. And just even in a physical sense, he was he loves extreme sports and just like pushing himself. Like he's a, an excellent surfer. He took me rock climbing for the first time, um, surfing for the first time. We did a surf trip together in Bali in Indonesia um, for a month when I was like 20 years old. I just like really watched my brother kind of push himself. Like he was an amazing cyclist. Actually, he competed in college. And so I think it was a combination of just really like watching the people around me do. Yeah. 
Do you have any regrets about perhaps a moment where you didn't, quote unquote, send the email that you reflect on? Not really. I try not. To, and even if I did, I, I think I probably like subconsciously erased it from my brain because yeah. I hate living in regret. I hate living in like FOMO and like, well, what if I, you know, it's like, I kind of just like move on to the next because if you spend all this time dwelling on like, I could have done it differently. Uh, it's really hurtful. It, it hurts to think that way. Um, so yeah, I do, I do my best at, at like not trying to dwell on those things, but I'm sure there are things that I've thought about for a long time that I'm like, I should have done, or even like dance auditions. I should have done the double turn instead uh, of the single turn. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally hear you. So where were you when you got the Peloton call? Ooh, so, well, Dave and I were living in California for a short stint. We were there for maybe eight months. I was, um, a personal trainer at Facebook, actually. I was training all of their employees. And Zuck is pretty fit these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was not one of my clients, so I can say that I never trained him. I'm like, I literally was listening to a podcast uh, and they were talking about how there's something going on where Elon Musk and Zuck are oh, going to fight. Yes. Jesus. Is that what? Is that for real? I, I think just, it, no, is it, it really is for real, but okay. I don't even think Elon could do like 12 push ups no, if you paid him. No. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> I will not be watching that um, unless somebody, you know, shares a clip on like TikTok or something. <laughs> yeah. So I was teaching there. Didn't love it. Um, I was also personal training at another place as well. And I was just like struggling, just not making a lot of money and also like not feeling very fulfilled. And I was trying to look for, you know, the next thing. And so that's when Dave was like, why don't you send this email? Dave also at the same time got a job opportunity back in New York and he had like a confirmed opportunity. He's like, well, we could go back and I could do this. And I was starting the, um, the, pro the interview process at Peloton, but I didn't have confirmation that I had the job when Dave and I actually started move. We started driving back to New York city. And I was like, listen, you got a job opportunity. I'm like halfway with a job opportunity. And if I don't get it, I could still teach at a million other fitness studios in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I kind of took a leap of faith in that too, where I'm like, I feel like I'm going to get the job, but I don't know. And so it was somewhere on our drive back. And I don't remember, we were probably like driving through like Nebraska or some very flat state and <laughs> and then, you know, figured, found out that I, I had actually gotten it. And, um, it, it was pretty cool that I was like, see, this is all working out in the way, yeah. you know, you got a job opportunity. I have one now too. Like, let's, let's do it. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor at Element. Y'all know I love Element. It is a science-backed electrolyte drink mix that's got everything you need and nothing you don't. It's plant-based with no sugar, no gluten, no fillers, or other sketchy ingredients. I personally love to recharge with their grapefruit and watermelon salt flavors. Those are my two go-tos, but they have so many different tastes for every style from citrus and orange to chocolate, which TBH makes the most delicious hot chocolate, period. Anyway, I drink my element goodness. I have at least one packet a day and definitely two on the days that I am getting super active. It has the perfect electrolyte ratio to help with ultimate hydration and keep my body energized for the long run or the long ride. Of course, they have a deal for Hurdle listeners. Head on over to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get a free element sample pack with your purchase. Again, that is drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get a free sample pack with your purchase today. The world works magic in that way. When you start to act in such a way that you're setting yourself up for a certain circumstance and you walk into your power, you will be rewarded with the energy that you're putting out into the world. So for you to take that leap of faith, so to speak, and start that drive. Yep. I'm not surprised that that's what happened for you. Right. Yeah. Right. But I definitely, I'm, I'm somebody who like, 
I always have a plan B. Like I'm, I'm just that way. And sometimes I wish I wasn't that way, but I'm always like ready for like the other shoe to drop or like the thing to not work out. But I'm like, it's okay. I'm prepared. I'm ready. Like mm-hmm. I have this other plan. And so I think that's how I have gotten through my life is just always being like, I'm going to go for it. But I also have really thought this out that yeah. if I don't get it, here's my my plan B. You're speaking to my soul. And that's something I talk to my life coach a lot about because I want to be all in on plan A, but I am mentally incapable, incapable of not having a plan B. Same. Yeah. I don't know if that's just like being a woman or like, I don't know, but I just feel, or I learned that from my parents. Yeah. I feel like my mom like kind of instilled that in me, but I don't know. I've definitely always been that way. One of my first interviews on the show, this guy named Fred Santarpia, who used to be the chief digital officer at Condé Nast, he said something that I always bring up time after time, which is if you don't have a plan B, then you don't have a plan. Mm. That really struck with me. So there's another, you know, successful person. (laughs) In your adult life, Peloton was one of the first jobs then that offered you a lot of stability. Yeah. How did that feel? Yeah. I um I had a, I have a 401k. That was my first time ever having a 401k. Truly. It was um and first time having a salary. Yeah. Really like I'd been a freelancer my whole life. For somebody who actually like thrives off of stability, it's amazing and I can't believe and I'm proud of myself how long I was a freelancer and was able to like mentally and emotionally get through that because mm-hmm. I swear as a freelancer you're like as soon as you're like, okay, I'm finally going to book a vacation. It's going to be so hard because I'm going to be spending my money and not making money when I go away. And then you get a call that's like, hey, we need you here for this job. So you cancel your vacation because you're like, nope, I got it. It's almost, I'm telling you nine times out of 10, every time I would book a vacation, I would book a job. So then I started making the joke that was like, maybe I just need to book more vacations so that I can book work. (laughs) Energy attracts like energy, Emma. Right? (laughs) Um, But then... Like now knowing that I can go away on vacation and I have like PTO and I get paid and I can like I can really relax on vacation. It's amazing. So like I understand like I love hustle. I I understand hustle, um, but I also really appreciate it. It makes sense for my personality that I feel so much more calm and with stability in my life. Yeah. To each their own. Right to be able to know what feels better for you. For those that are gig economy workers, contractors, what would you say was a tool or a tactic that you incorporated regularly that enabled you to thrive to the best of your ability during that time period of your life? Yeah, it's really work very hard when you're working and then like do your best to unplug and relax and know that you deserve that relaxation and just like So then when I would finally towards the end of my freelancing, you know, time, if I were to take a, as long as the job wasn't some like huge life changing thing, I'd be like, no, I'm going to say no to the job. I'm going to go away. I booked this for myself. I deserve this. I need this time off. I'm going to turn my phone off and try to just like enjoy myself. And that was really hard, but I think that was my focus. And that's how I made sense of it all is like when I'm working, I'm really working. I'm really available. I'm going to bust my butt. But when I'm offline, like I'm really, I need to just be offline and and tune in with myself. Co-sign with that. I also feel as though something that really resonated with me through the pandemic and now post-pandemic is this concept of one thing at a time. So I'm going to give my whole energy to the thing that I'm working on in that moment where pre-pandemic, if I think about Emily, the OG entrepreneur, I was doing like four things at the same time every single day for eight hours on end. So now like as one would hope, recording a podcast, I am here in this room and this is what we are doing. And this is entirely where my head is at. I am completely where my feet are, which I do think is something that many people struggle with. So then to take that tip and top a tip on top of that, add a tip on top of that, (laughs) add a tip on top of that, how would you recommend someone gets better at being more present and being where their feet are? Oh, I mean, there's so many, you know, like mindful exercises that you can do of like, um, I think I was actually listening to an interview with Jewel, the singer, and she was talking about like looking at your hands when you're, when you're feeling like scattered or chaotic and your energy's all over the place. It's like really looking at your hands and it like reminds you that you're here. 
feeling your feet on the ground, literally like taking your shoes off, put your feet in the grass, like whatever it is, like feel, feel the space that you are really in. Um, but you know, also like, let's talk about exercise for your mental health benefits and not just physical, but, um, exercise helps you feel more in your body. And I think we need to feel more in our body to feel more grounded. So there's so many things that I think we can do these little, little exercises that we can do throughout the day that help us feel more, um, grounded talk therapy, exercise, all the things, life coach, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, Um, but, but explore and find the thing that works for you. How do you feel in your body these days? How do I feel in my body? I mean, like good or bad or like, like, what do I do? (laughs) I mean, how do you, Emma, feel in your body these days? What's your relationship like with your body these days? Oh, I mean, I'm definitely aware of I'm aging and I can't help, you know, and I'm like on a group chat with my girlfriends and we're like, gosh, like I have like wrinkles on my chest when I wake up. What is that? You know, like these like things that were like, damn, or, or like skincare, whatever. But I'm trying to just be like, I don't, um, I, you know, I subscribe to like, you are as old as you feel you are. And also like age doesn't define you. And there's so many ways in which like, actually when Dave and I were just in Italy, there was this cute, uh, these two girls that were probably like 19 or 20 years old and I was talking to them and they made me laugh so hard because they were like, did you guys, how long have you been together? And I was like, Dave and I've been together for like 10 years. And they were like, so did you meet like before college? And I was like, huh? Like I could tell that they were like not able to pick up on my age. And so finally they were like, wait, how old are you? I'm like, I'm in my late thirties. And they were like, oh my God, we thought you were 25. And I was like, oh girls, tell me more, you know? And I couldn't help but like, think it was hilarious and so cute. Um, but I am also trying not to like shame myself for aging because we all age and it's like, I'm still doing the things that I would have been doing like at 30 and I still feel amazing being able to do the things. Like I am still an athlete. I am still pushing my body on a weekly basis and I feel really good doing that. But I am just like, it's okay to notice in the ways that I'm changing Mm -hmm. and like accommodate those changes because I'm not in denial about it. I'm not just going to like, there are some ways that I definitely, you know, when I was in my twenties, I was a bartender. And so I was like out till 6am all the time. And I cannot tell you the last time I was up <laughs> until 6 a.m. I no, literally I'm actually cannot, incapable of I, I telling you. I that. cannot tell you. I have no idea. Racking my brain, don't have it. No, nope. <laughs> don't have it at all. But I really appreciate what you're saying here, which is the importance of grace. And yeah. also, like, you can recognize it. You may feel some kind of way about it, yeah. but you can have the grace with yourself to act accordingly in a way that is kind to you, kind to your body, kind to your mental health, because life's hard enough as it is spot on. Yeah. You know, like the last thing that we need every day is for us to be the person that's talking down to ourselves, especially because you are the person that talks to yourself the most in any given day. Totally. And that's why that relationship with yourself is the most important. You know, how has the relationship that you've had with yourself evolved since taking this job at Peloton, knowing that understandably, so there are more eyes on you now than there used to be. Yeah, I think the f- the first thing that just came to my head was um, how like, especially working in wellness, like we know all the tips, right? We know like the, the morning routine, the like drink water first thing, like all these tips that I spew out and like we know them and I hear them from so many people and I'm like, that makes sense, that makes sense. But like actually doing them sometimes is different than just speaking them. Mm-hmm. Like actually, like I know that I feel better when I'm meditating. Meditation is the first thing that I throw out the door if I don't have time. But I know how helpful it is. So like here I am and I can like preach, preach, preach. But like if I'm not doing them and I know that they work, I know that these things work. So I'm just being brutally honest right now and saying that like there are times where I totally fall off of my like, you know, wellness routine and all the things that I talk about. I know that they work. So I'm not questioning whether or not they're good. I'm just questioning or not whether whether or not like how much I prioritize them. And mm-hmm. I think my priorities start to shift a little bit, right? And like with a more high pressure job or more eyes on me, like what are the things that I'm, you know, I think 
and, and this, you know, I don't have kids, but I think a lot of people say like when you have kids, like it really holds you honest because you have people really watching you in real time. Mm. Like on Instagram, I can post photos of me meditating. I don't, by the way, because that would be so boring. <laughs> but <laughs> I could post pictures of me meditating and be like, meditation is good for you. But am I really meditating? No, I forget. I, I don't do it as much as I want to. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, when you have kids, they're like, no, 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 you you tell me to get off my phone, but you're on your phone. You know, like it really keeps you honest. And so I think about that as like the busier I get, the more things that I have going on in my life, the more followers I have on Instagram, this like image of wellness and my opinions about it are, you know, I, I, I really believe in what I believe, but it also takes another element to really commit to them mm -hmm. because um, if I am not taking care of myself, I'm not going to, it's not sustainable. Like I mm -hmm. can't. I can't help other people if I'm not helping myself. So when I do get, when I instruct and, and the one way that I feel like I'm able to connect with so many people through, you know, virtually through teaching fitness is, is being really honest. And I think I try to be authentic to myself. I try to be as honest about like, Hey, I've totally fallen off my routine. I'm going to try to get back on it. I think it's relatable for people to hear that, that me too cannot be prioritizing the things that I should be prioritizing. Um, but I just, I do think about that as more eyes are on me. It's like, I want to promote good things, but I also want to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's value in both. Again, that authenticity is truly just, it's irreplaceable. And also knowing that you, for your mental health, you're not alone also in the thing, the fact that you're falling off the bandwagon, like your gurus have gurus. Yes. And I think that oftentimes when you are someone that people look up to, which you are, those people forget that you also need someone to look up to. Like you also need support yep. and care and concern and time for yourself and all of these things, right? So that you can show up and be the best version of you every right. single day. My therapist has a therapist. Yes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> right? <laughs> My life coach is a life coach. I get it. Yeah. yeah. So being more um, with all of these extra eyes on you, you have over almost 650,000 people following you on Instagram. You have a newsletter that has over 37,000 subscribers that get notes from you in their inbox regularly. They look to you. They see a Peloton instructor, an author, someone who they may perceive has their shit together. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I am really proud of myself for what I've accomplished so far. I um, you know, my tagline in my book is progress, not perfection, because I, I am a perfectionist. I have been a perfectionist and I still strive for more. And I, and I'm like very ambitious and I want more and more and more. So my focus to me is like, no, 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 be proud of where you are now. Like what, what do you have now that you didn't have five years ago, 10 years ago, and really look at how much you have already grown. It's, it's the abundance, not the scarcity. And I just, um, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like kind of in awe of like where I am now versus from where I've come from. Like I would have never thought as like a little kid that I would be where I am now. And it's pretty cool to, to see that. And, and even like talk to my parents who are like, you know, who know me the best and who knew me as like a little snotty kid. And like now I'm, you know, inspiring millions of people around the world. It's pretty freaking cool. Now I'm inspiring millions of people around the world. When I say that sentence back to you, aside <laughs> from being cool, how does it make you feel? It's hard to grasp, honestly. <laughs> like, what is a million, right? Uh, well, You're like, like... When, when did you get to a place where, like, saying that sentence was, like, actually a sentence you could say? Because there are, like, <laughs> things that I know to be true about myself. Right. I don't know if I'm inspiring millions of people around the world. But I do know that there are facts about what I have done, what I have created yeah. that are true that still feel hard for me to say out loud. Honestly, Emily, that might have been the first time I've ever said that. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm here to encourage you and step to step into your greatness. I'm here to encourage you to step into your greatness. It is. It's crazy. And like even just knowing like the number of people. Right. I was I was talking to somebody about this. Um, when you step into like a stadium and, you know, I went to Fenway to throw the first pitch for the Red Sox, which was incredible. But there were thirty five thousand people there. And so then I look around and I'm like thirty five thousand people take my class in like a day. Like there's like 
times that by, you know, 10, there's like 300,000 people that take my class after like a month. I can't wrap my head around that number. I'm sorry. Like that's just too many seats. That's too many people. That many people read your newsletter every time it comes out. Whoa. Isn't that bizarre? That's so bizarre. <laughs> I know. Like that many people subscribe to Hurdle on iTunes. Like it, it literally blows my mind when I like sit down and like try to actually look at the amount of people because how often are you in a room with 35,000 people outside the stadium is a room, but no. how often are you in an environment with that amount of people where you can look around and be like, holy wow. Yep. So special. Yep. Truly so special. Okay. So you're proud of yourself is what we're, what we're coming down to here. <laughs> yes. I mean, and you should be because it, it really is just such a remarkable accomplishment, not only to have turned your passion into what you get to do all the time with this job, but then make that career into something bigger where you do have this opportunity beyond the bike, beyond the mat to inspire people in such a bigger way. Yeah, I know yeah. there really is two parts of that, too, that are both enjoyable in their own way. Like if I just got to teach fitness, to, I love movement and music together, like as a dancer, as a musician, I've just those two, the combination of those two things, like bring me joy and give me life. And so if I got to just like teach fitness to music, got to move my body to music and nobody saw like that'd be a pretty cool job, too, you know. But the fact that I get to inspire so many people on top of that, that now they get to change lives right? It's exponential. The change, the positive impact is exponential. If I, if somebody has, you know, a, a doctor or a nurse takes my class and they feel inspired and great, then think about how many lives, you know, that they're touching in their line of work. So yeah, the fact that I get to do both of those things at the same time, are you <laughs> kidding me? Like how cool? You, uh, you mentioned goals before. What would you say that your biggest goal is right now? Well, right now, after coming off of this book tour, I think my goal for the summer especially is to do a little bit less. Do less. Do less. <laughs> <laughs> what does less look like for you? I think it looks like more downtime, more like open time on my calendar where there's like nothing scheduled. So I could do like a spontaneous trip or spontaneous do nothing. Um, I love gardening and I talk about it a lot in my book. So just spending more time outside in the garden and... Um, spending more time with Dave and like just just having more free time like I want to be bored you know I want to not be on my phone all the time I want to like play the piano more pick up a paintbrush I don't know I just want to have a little more freedom and open time and less stress so I'm trying to make less plans or more strategic ones so that I'm not just like running around constantly Sometimes making less plans, like you just listed a bunch of stuff that you're interested in doing, and sometimes making less plans also involves enabling ourselves to do the things that we want to do or, again, remove that decision fatigue so those things are actually available to us. So yep. when you say, I would like to pick up a paintbrush or I want to garden more, like what can you have that is readily available to you so that doing those things doesn't feel like such a, oh, but I don't have this or I don't have that or I need to whatever, right? Yep. And it's seems so simple, but it does involve a little bit of logistics. It does. It does. Because yeah, even if I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. And then you just end up sitting on your phone like that's Sometimes you actually have to like schedule in like I started taking piano lessons a few months ago. How and exciting. I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little traumatic because <laughs> as a kid, I studied piano. And so it kind of brings back the like mm. my parents yelling at me that I had to pr pr practice for 30 minutes every day. And now like my piano teacher will come to my house and I'm like, shit I haven't practiced like I, it's that feeling when you don't have your homework done and you have to go to school it's the worst feeling <laughs> and now I'm like okay but I'm an adult and I'm literally paying him to, to teach me like it's okay if I didn't practice like this is fine but I also yeah just like making things readily available like you said and I mean that's why I keep telling Dave I'm like I need a crafts room I want a whole room in my house that's just dedicated to crafts where I can just leave my paints out and like have a sewing machine and all and knitting and like all the weird crafts that I have and so that they're just there and, and ready for me so they're not like tucked away and hard to get to <laughs> tucked away and hard to get we're, to. we're working on that the logistics <laughs> of that but yeah it's so impressive it's so impressive I think uh I think do less is definitely a, a good summer goal for sure because you know that the second fall hits I feel like everyone is in like overdrive active everything is just super hectic everyone's back in the office yeah I'm down with a do last summer. 
What else is exciting you right now? Um, I mean, more on gardening is just that like I'm like growing things that I've never grown before. So every time I step into the garden, I'm like, I'm growing potatoes for the first time. And so to me, that seems like or, you know, you're listening to this podcast, you might be like, okay, that's not very exciting, Emma. But to me, <laughs> that's very exciting. The The amount of excitement I get from gardening is maybe unusual. But actually, if you garden, then you will relate to this. And you absolutely know. Every time I step outside and see changes, um, it's very exciting. And actually, Dave and I are starting to work on maybe a little renovation on our home. And I documented our whole big renovation um, two years ago when we bought our house. I put it all on YouTube. It was very exciting and cute. And so now we're in the talks of maybe doing another smaller renovation um, in our home. But that will hopefully start after the summer so I can still have a summer of doing less. <laughs> yeah, I still have a summer of doing less. Uh, I'd be remiss if I let you walk out of here and I didn't ask you about how it feels now that not only the book is out, but the work that goes into creating the book is done. Yeah, I know. That's two different things too. Like totally. writing the book, the contents of the book is its own thing. The process of its book, of writing the book too. And then the promotion of the book is a whole other beast. It's mm -hmm. a whole other thing. And I think when I was promoting the book, I kind of lost a little bit of touch of like the contents of it because I was so focused on the promotion of it. And so now sitting back that most of the promotion is done. And now I'm getting the messages from people who have finished the book and read it and I'm and I'm getting the the people and their you know amazing comments and the impact of the book is coming out and that's really beautiful and I think it's bringing me back to the purpose of the book and 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 the reason why you know I decided to write it is to, to inspire people yeah and again going back to this concept that you've already been inspiring this is just a different avenue to go down and i'm of the mindset that again kind of goes with that send the email why not why not try here why not try there why not pivot this way because you never know until you give that a whirl yeah 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 you have to try it on and see how it feels if it's 300% scary and you're like absolutely not no but if it's like 50% scary and you're like but i kind of want to do it that's how the book was for me. I think it was like, I kind of always knew I wanted to write a book. I just didn't know when. And so when the opportunity presented itself and I definitely had the thought like, is now the right time? I don't mm -hmm. know. But then I was like, well, what if now is the only time? Like who's to say, you know, I can write a book in 20 years. I don't know. And just for those that may not understand how it works. So when you say that the opportunity presented itself, it means that someone contacted you and was yep. like, we'd love to work with you on a book. And yep. you're like, oh, shoot. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, you, a publisher wants an editor, want me to like you see like an editor from Penguin Random House called me and was like, you should write a book. I'm like, oh, man, if you see that in me, should I see that in me? Let me look at that. That's really powerful. It's really powerful in that instance, but also that idea, that concept as a whole, that oftentimes people around us may be able to recognize or see greatness in us that we aren't necessarily at the point yet where we're coming to terms with it or just different characteristics even, right? Someone can look at you and say, oh, you're so compassionate. And meanwhile, like an hour ago, you were having a negative self-talk session with yourself where totally. you were like, I suck, blah, blah, blah. Isn't that crazy how uh -huh. that can happen in the same day? I was actually just talking to um, Tune Day about this, a little different topic. And she actually told me that she talked about this in class. So I know I'm not sharing anything that <laughs> I'm not supposed to share. But how she was supposed to go on a first date and the guy stood her up and but on her way to the date, she's like, I've never been com complimented more in my life. She's like, people were stopping me on the street being like, you are gorgeous. Like, oh my God, look at you. You're a goddess. Like all these people like building her up. She gets to the restaurant and then the guy doesn't show up. People suck. People totally <laughs> suck. Anyway, Tune's texting me. I'm texting her back and I was like, girl, treat yourself to a, just remember like yes. you are, I'm like boosting her up through text, just like sending her voice notes being like, this guy is a loser. Like, don't even, you know, whatever. Facts. Uh, facts. Anyway, but she was like, how odd is it that, like, you can have these two things <laughs> exist in the same time? All of these compliments. And then yeah. also someone who doesn't even recognize your greatness. Right. Like, this guy doesn't know what he's messing, no. missing out on. No. And also, Tunde is my neighbor. She knows this. So if yep. you're listening to this tune, next time text me and we'll, <laughs> well, I'll come meet you for a drink. Yeah. Although a solo date is my vibe. That totally. I have a whole chapter in my book about dating yourself. I love taking myself out to dinner 
sitting at a noodle bar at the bar by myself. It's mm -hmm. like one of my favorite things to do because it is a little uncomfortable at first, but then you're like, no, like I get to hang out with me. Like that's awesome. <laughs> As we wind down here, then let me ask you about that. Yeah. So for someone who doesn't yet feel comfortable dating themselves, yeah. how did they get there? Do it while uncomfortable. Just do it. Do it while afraid. You know, it's like maybe you have to stare at your phone a little bit. Try to stare at your phone a little less the next time. Um, but your relationship with yourself is the most important one that you have. And if you can be at peace with yourself, like there's no limit. There's no limit. There's no limit. All right. Right now, Emma, you have an opportunity to give yourself a piece of advice. Let's go back to, let's say the, the hurdle moment time in your life. You're a contractor. You're trying to figure it out. You're training at Facebook. You're like, eh, this isn't the move. What am I going to do here? You have an opportunity right now, knowing what you know now, to give yourself a piece of advice during that hurdle moment. What do you tell yourself? I'd say to follow your gut, follow your heart, you know, really be in tune with the things that you know about yourself and be open to the things that you don't know. And I'm sure a lot of people say this, but it will all work out in the end. Yeah, it will. Trust and have faith, right? Yep. So happy you were able to make this happen. Emma, if they don't follow you just yet, how do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow you? Give us your details. Yes. So I'm on Instagram, TikTok at Emma Lovewell. I have a newsletter called The Love List that's on Substack. I also have a website, livelearnlovewell.com. Find my book at all places that books are sold. There's even an Audible where I'm reading the audio version. Um, and then find me on Peloton, cycling and strength and dance cardio. I love it all the places. I'll link the book in the show notes. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. Mm -hmm.